Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello City Afan, the title race is back on as Milan record back-to-back wins while the Inzaghi runaway train hits the buffers. Napoli and Inter share the spoils, but can the Nerazzurri get those engines going again to pull off a Champions League shot? We'll discuss all that, drama and theatrics in Bergamo, and language lessons you just don't get on Duolingo in this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to Scudetto. We're back after a plot-twisting round of league fixtures and before the Serie A representatives head into European knockout action. Uh, We've got a new Capolista and a whole load of high-profile games to get through in this episode. But before we get into that, Boaz, it's great to have you in the the studio, as it were. Uh, How's your week been? I've had a fantastic week, I guess partly due to some fantastic football results, but I'll guess we'll get on to that. <laughs> uh, and are you having a, a beer with us tonight then? I'm going to be having a Fat Cat IPA, which is one I've had in the past. Nice. And I am also having one that we've had in the past. I've got a Hazy Jane New England IPA by Brewdog, uh, which is very good. Right. So let's get into it then, Boaz, because uh, I, I know you're, you're itching to. Uh, Milan have taken the lead in the title race, albeit with an extra game played over Inter. But you haven't had a chance yet to to gloat about what happened two Saturdays ago. So on a scale of completely hiding behind the sofa to victoriously singing out of the window at Strangers, what range of emotions did you go through on that Saturday night? So on the same night of the Sanremo final, Olivier Giroud proved that uh, you can do a lot. You can get to the top of the world in just three minutes. To be honest, the, the the derby match, as I mentioned in the last episode, it's a very stressful game for me. And uh, now, especially now that there's going to be another one in the cup, I, I mean, I'm, I'm I don't know if I'll still be alive by then. But uh, <laughs> in any case, um, it's obvious that Inter played much better in the first half, at least, and possibly at the beginning of the second half. But uh, mm. once uh, Inzaghi started uh, pulling off certain players and maybe retreating a little bit, uh, confident of the fact that they could uh, hold the result. Uh, Milan gained in confidence and maybe they felt a little bit insulted by that. Something that has to be said is that the the introduction of uh, Brain Diaz was uh, instrumental yeah. in the win and that obviously the plaudits will go to Giroud for scoring a brace, but Diaz in particular was very impressive. And uh, for me, the man of the match was Mike Magnan, who kept Milan in it in the first half where he was being bombarded. Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree with you more about, about Diaz there and uh, Manyan as well, having a fantastic game. Um, but Boaz, I have to say for the listeners' uh, benefit that watching a game uh, at the same time as you while uh, exchanging WhatsApp messages is uh, is a very funny experience. I think <laughs> at a certain point you had written off the entire project as being <laughs> a, a failure and then uh, here you are. I was going for some moods in that game. I, I think... <laughs> 
it's quite indicative of what football does to us in general, but also how your whole uh, outlook can change within the space of a few yeah. minutes. I, if uh, Inter had gone on to secure that victory, I think there would be no doubt that the league would have been pretty much over. Mm-hmm. And while I still think they're kind of favorites, uh, yeah, just because obviously they have a game in hand, but also in, in theory they have a better squad, but now the pressure is slightly more on them and me ultimately in this Milan all Milan could do was win that game and that's what they did yeah yeah I still have Inter done as favorites as well uh I mean I, they they should on paper have like quite an easy run of, of games now um and you, you know it's a, it's a question of who's gonna slip up more and uh, Inter haven't haven't done that too often against the sort of smaller sides to raise the hopes of uh Milan fans and uh, Napoli fans and potentially uh, Juventus fans too, I guess. Inter have suddenly uh, started to experience a few injuries, something that mm-hmm. they sort of managed to sail through the first half of the season without. Also, in the past few games, uh, not including the derby, they've not exactly uh, they've not exactly been shining. And you could argue that that's a sign of a winning team, like winning games where they they would have otherwise not have won, but. At the same time, it, it does feel like they're slightly struggling and maybe so many games in such a short period of time has finally caught up with them. But once again, I, I do think that uh, considering the, the size of their squad and some of the players they have and the options, especially up front, they should uh, they should win this. Yeah, they should do. They're still, still favourites, I think. Um, I mean, obviously a lot has happened since that derby game. Uh, the Napoli-Inter game will we'll come to. Uh, but the game against Sampdoria, the Milan game against Sampdoria, I only caught the last 20 minutes of this because I had some uh, family commitments taking my, my daughter swimming. Uh, but it looked like Milan perhaps should have put the game out of sight, really. Um, I obviously did see the did see the highlights afterwards. But um, yeah, three points in the end sends them top of the league. You, you obviously watched the whole game. Um, how was it? Was it a decent performance for Milan? I think it was a week of great contrasts because first we had the the derby win where, as I mentioned earlier, Milan largely struggled and didn't play particularly well in the first half. And yet they kind of managed to pull a victory out of the bag. Against Lazio in the Coppa, they pretty much dominated from the start. And in this game, it it felt more like um, a team administering a result. Um, mm. the, the aim was to score a goal and then, you know, kind of hit Samp on the break. And I think part of the reason that the game wasn't maybe a little bit more spectacular was because Samp were a little bit bereft of ideas. But yeah, Milan could have and should have probably got a second, but fortunately it didn't come back to bite them. Mm. Yeah. Uh, a few interesting things to note here, I think, after these two games for Milan. Uh, one of them, Leao, obviously. I mean, you you spoke about Magnan and uh, Brahim Diaz uh, in, the, in the derby. Um, but Leao, uh, there, there have been comparisons to, to Weyan Thierry Henry in the Gazette, and I think that partially fueled by Pioli's post-match comments, saying that he reminded him of of Henry. It's incredible, really, how he's gone from a promising prospect last season, really, who you know obviously showed glimpses of uh, what he could do and absolute magic, but he really has kind of become the difference maker this season, hasn't he? So first of all, there we have um, Arsenal supporting. Portuguese friend of the pod called Serge, who I, I've been texting for the past few weeks, uh, kind of with a smiley, but writing the Portuguese Thierry Henry every time Leao scores. So I, I'm kind of subscribing to this theory. I do see shades okay. of Henry in the way um, Leao 
starts his the way he's he runs the his body language although obviously he he needs to come a long way to uh become the goal scoring machine that Titi was but uh as you as you said he's really improved to in front of everyone's eyes and I we go back to our one of our earliest episodes in this season and uh I believe Pioli when he came back to after his summer training he said that uh, the two players that would really make a difference this year would be Leao and Tonali. Tonali, yeah. They've uh, they they showed a different mentality in training, and uh, those words have come true. Both those players mm. are they're really young, but they they feel like the most mature players. And Tonali in particular is a future captain. But if Leao continues like this, he, the world is his oyster. Yeah, I mean credit to those players, obviously, but credit also has to go to to Pioli. I think on the negative side, there was uh, Frank Kessi returning to. To the field, uh, receiving booze when he came on, and obviously the fans had prepared a, a nice, friendly uh, <laughs> banner for him as well. Um, but as with this one, I get the disappointment because um, perhaps less so, sort of recently, but uh, last season, the beginning of the season as well, Cassie has been incredible for for Milan. But I mean, we are where we are. It looks like he's not going to renew, and in a circumstance where Milan are completely on a high, uh, very much in the title race again. Don't you think it's a bit counterproductive from the fans that, you know, that negativity and confrontation, it doesn't seem to me like it's really going to help anything. If anything, it's going to, there's going to be negativity when there should be, you know, riding that wave of optimism. So first of all, I'll start off saying I generally agree with you. I I don't really see a point in uh, booing or otherwise uh, trying to dishearten your own player. I mean, when he does go away, if he does go away, then by all means uh, do all that. But right now he's still wearing the shirt. I do have to say that Kessie this year has been, his form has been up and down and that he he took a few days uh, to come back to training after the African Cup of Nations. Whereas uh, Minasser came back, was back in the match day squad after a few days. Now, obviously you don't want to compare two different players because their physiques are different and we don't know what, uh, what Kessie might have uh, experienced while he was out there. But at the same time, it has felt in the games where he's been back that his uh, he's not his hunger has not been completely there. Albeit he did score against Lazio, so it's one of those ones where I think he would help the situation if he quote unquote tried harder, and the fans would help the situation if they got behind him. And maybe those two things are kind of related to one another. Actually, we've we've not re- we've never really touched on this top topic. I don't think, but if the salary request he's making is uh, is what is reported then uh, I totally understand Milan's decision to not renew his contract. And uh, I'm not mm-hmm. even sure that the any club beyond you know the mega clubs could really afford it and do any of them really need him. And in, in addition, he by all, apparently he quite upset the management because he refused any sort of deal to go to Spurs over the January transfer market. So increasingly he's being isolated at the club, whatever happens. Mm, right. Okay. Well, let's draw a line under it there then. Uh, we'll move on to that game between Napoli and Inter, um, Saturday game, this one. Uh, I actually watch, watched it and it was a great first half from Napoli. But after Jacob got that equaliser for Inter, uh, just after halftime it was, and it all kind of went flat. Both teams almost seemed to seemed to be playing out the draw. Uh, I mean, aside from Milan, who is the draw actually better for out of the two i mean I, to me people have been saying it suits both teams to me it doesn't suit either team really i think a loss would have been the worst result for either team of course a draw is kind of a, a half and half victory i think uh 
Inter in particular probably had the two results out of the three available to them and a draw away to Napoli isn't so bad after all although their results against um, top six opposition have not been great this year and their whole uh, recent run has built mm-hmm. has been built on victories against the smaller teams so maybe just for the morale a, a victory would have been good but uh, from Napoli's perspective particularly looking back at the way the first half went they must have some regrets because they they created a lot and uh, they they seem to have had the Inter on the ropes but they couldn't capitalize on it yeah 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 totally agree uh, I mean I do think we do we we have to give some sort of kudos to, to Napoli because everybody was saying that their title credentials were completely out of the window you know before Christmas uh, with half of their first 11 heading off to the Africa Cup of Nations obviously that's over now um and Napoli in, in, instead of you know crashing and burning have uh, in the league they've drawn to Juve and Inter and won every other game since the start of the year and you said you know the, the opposition uh, hasn't necessarily been great but at the same time they've come through that period uh, so we, we knew what the fixtures were going to be I don't know I, I think we do have to give them kudos for that and yeah for the first half performance as well they were they were excellent but yeah I was just a bit disappointed I think with the uh, the way they both seem to settle. And I think you're right. It, it is better for Inter, but I, I, I'm i not sure why why Napoli were happy with the draw, uh, given given the way they performed in the first half. I did want to single out uh, Victor Osiman once more because he was yeah. uh, phenomenal in this game. He really ran uh, the Inter defence ragged and he's a fundamental player. And I think he's got the potential to be one of the top five stars in Serie A easily. Oh, yeah. If not already. Definitely. And Perhaps if we look fit more often. Yeah, and hopefully that will uh I mean the last injury with the the facial injury was definitely not his fault and actually ironically was in the reverse fixture against Inter. And uh but if I want to single out someone who's should be doing better, I really have to talk about uh, Stefan Livry, who has been kind of linked to some big clubs in the recent months mm. and his performance in the derby where I mean Giroud, the goal the second goal was really nice and he turns them really nicely, but I do think that maybe he, the defending wasn't up to scratch, and again uh, in this game against Napoli, there was a lot of uh, a lot of mistakes, and yeah. generally the, he looks like he's a bit short on confidence. Yeah, the penalty, I believe, is. Uh, am I right in thinking it was Divri who who gave away the the penalty? And I think I'd read somewhere that perhaps it was compensating for for that mistake in the in the derby. He was kind of overly eager, but anyway. Uh, right, so both of these clubs actually uh, in European action this week. Inter take on Liverpool, obviously, in the Champions League on Wednesday. few big names in Italian football coming out and saying they actually fancy Inter to win this. I very much have them as underdogs, uh, particularly off the back of those results against Milan and Napoli. What do you reckon, Boaz? I think they are definitely underdogs, but that uh, probably actually serves Inter well, and I think Inter's biggest results in their history have come as underdogs so it's not necessarily a bad thing and I mean I appreciate it was the last game of the group and so Liverpool were playing their reserves but they, they didn't look that good in the two games against Milan and I think Inter are, are a more ready Champions League unit mm. yeah I mean good that they've got this far really uh, already it's, it's a shame that um, Barella won't be on the pitch for a stupid red card he got yeah. in the Real Madrid game and Klopp himself said that uh, lucky us that Barella won't be playing. Yeah. So obviously, but Bastoni back for this one, right? The Bastoni has made a, was 
quite a miraculous comeback or or rather he was expected to be out for at least another two games but he seems to be back i'm i'm not sure if he's going to start but definitely uh gives inter more options with uh by playing the ball out of the back oh yeah of course of course uh napoli as well of course have that game against barcelona quick fire expectations for this one boys fortunately for napoli this is not the barcelona of yesteryear and while uh xavi has made some nice changes they're still fifth or six in la liga so if we consider the way napoli are playing in the league and if we consider the way Barcelona have been handling themselves, I would say that Napoli are slight favorites, but of course Barcelona are still a big name and anything can happen if you travel to the new camp. But uh, I'm quietly hopeful. Great. Uh, right, let's turn to that. The other big game of the weekend, uh, the the game between Atalanta and Juve, finished 1-1. To start off, let's just say it, it was a great game. Uh, Juve were really impressive. Uh, particularly at the beginning, and Atalanta kind of wrestled the initiative from them, perhaps, I don't know, about halfway through the first half, maybe. Um, But a real battle, nonetheless, um, with that magical Malinowski special to put Atalanta in front, and then uh, injury time equalizer from Danilo off a corner, just pure, pure drama. But as Atalanta sent director Umberto Marino to to do the post-match press uh, complaints, let's say, rather than press conference, uh, about uh, the referee Mariani, um, there were a few incidents. I mean, there was the potential d- uh, penalty with the ball going off the league's ha- uh, arm before hitting his body. There was talk of Chesney potentially being sent off for. I guess the argument was it was clear stopping a clear goal scoring opportunity. Uh, you watch this game too, Boaz. I have my opinions. Uh, I know I'm biased. Uh, I, I don't actually think Chesney should have been sent off for the record. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I'm, I am I have my opinions. I'm biased. Boaz, what are your opinions? I think that um, there were quite a few mistakes in this game. Refereeing mistakes, I should say. But I don't think they necessarily only harmed Atalanta. Uh, with regards to the Chesney situation that you mentioned, let's get that one immediately out of the way. I, I don't think it's a red card either. So um, I can understand that maybe if you're wearing your fan glasses, then th- that yeah. could look worse than what it yeah. is. But realistically, it no, wasn't. I agree. Uh, if we want to talk about the, um, the penalty shout, that one's a bit more uh, problematic for me. I mean, having seen the slow motion replay, it does feel to me that the ball hits the leaked arm. And I think that if I saw this footage, and presumably the VAR team has seen it too, then there's all sorts of uh, uh, internal wrangles about whether his hand was too far away. I, the rule changes every five seconds. But I know, it does. Um, at the same time, I don't think the, the era where Juventus were automatically favored by, by refereeing decisions is, is still happening. Although it seems like the league has developed a nasty habit of uh, playing with his hands quite wide which creates these scenarios <laughs> yeah. in the be- to begin with. Yeah, especially towards the beginning of his time at Juve. He seems to have ironed out a little bit, but every now and again it creeps back in, doesn't it? I will say that it's a shame because the, the match was a really fun game to watch and it's a, it's a shame that we're, we're starting this on, uh, on, uh, <laughs> on this uh, refereeing discussion. And, and this is, uh, I, I, I kind of almost uh, want to give a dishonorable to, to the Atalanta guy for, for like going into the... I, I understand Umberto that Atalanta. Yeah, I, I understand that Atalanta were frustrated because of Juve equalizing so late in the game. But at the same time, uh, Atalanta only have themselves to blame for not putting the game away. So 
Yeah, uh, such is life. That. Yeah, yeah. And Muriel has, uh, as well as Atalanta played, Muriel has, I think, everyone, including himself, would would agree, has had far better days at the office. He really, Atalanta kind of need him to step up at the moment with Zapata uh, for the relatively long term, uh, and it's his kind of slump in form seems to have coincided with that, which is bad, bad timing. I was actually going to mention Zapata myself because obviously just for just by his sheer size he gives Atalanta a completely different set of options mm. and it felt to me that from what I was saying Moria was dropping very deep the therefore there wasn't really anyone to serve up front but having said that I thought that Atalanta really took the game to Juventus and uh, particularly towards the end of the first half they they really like put on the pressure and could have scored one or two goals but yeah. uh Contrary to what I was, I was, I thought I would see. I was actually very impressed with Juventus as well. They're mm. still dogged, and I mean, Allegri like, <laughs> Allegri like, and I, I, sorry, such bastards to play against. They, just, <laughs> they sit with two lines of four and the, the very deep, and you could see it. Atalanta game players getting frustrated, but as soon as they broke forward, the guys up front really started to yeah. um, interchange the balls and. I'm, some of it I'm not sure is out of the design. Some of it lo- feels like it's kind of let's go with the flow. But if it works, why not? Yeah, I mean, you, you're talking about the guys up front, and uh, I don't want to preempt. Uh, well, I, I will preempt it, dishonorable, but uh, I think most people probably know it's coming. Uh, but what what amazes me about the the complaints that uh, Atalanta have had after this game is that, that they don't seem to be too bothered by Vlaovic's outrageous outrageous dive um, right in front of the referee uh, when he was already harsh, on the yellow card. I think that's a bit harsh. I think um, you, you're completely discounting the gust of wind that went through <laughs> the Jervie Stadium. Yeah, I mean, there was maybe that was the mitigating factor. I was going to say there was like zero mitigating factors. He just, he just launched himself. Um, it was quite spectacular. But yeah. Okay, right. Uh, I have to ask this again um, because Allegri seemed happy with the point in his post-match press conference. Uh, who's this draw better for, Boaz? Bearing in mind that this now means that if Juve and Atalanta finish level on points at the end of the season, Atalanta will have the better head-to-head record. You have to believe that Atalanta are going to, or rather that Gasperini is going to find a way to make Atalanta start clicking clicking again. Right now they're, they're feeling the... The, the loss of uh, Zapata, but also they've also lost Gozens, let's not forget, who yeah. wasn't playing out of injury, but still kind of a fundamental player. But I mean, I'm sure you as a fan, but as an outsider, I completely trust Gasperini's process. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that uh, they'll get through this difficult period and they'll, they'll start in, in notching points. And then it's up. it will be, a, I think Juventus's run has been incredible so far, but they haven't managed to uh, get the the three points against any of the top four opposition. So, Mm. again, it's one of those situations who's going to get more points against the smaller teams. Yeah, yeah. I think we we also have to throw into the equation uh, Jeremy Boga for for Atalanta as well, because he, um, I mean, he already, I think, looks like he's been playing in that side for for two or three seasons, really. He's just like fits right in. And, And we spoke about it before he had played a minute for Atalanta, but he really is taking up a lot of those kind of uh, responsibilities that that Gomez did. Uh, you know, taking on a man, taking on two men, beating them, and creating kind of uh, 
you know situations where you outnumber the opposition and the like. So yeah, um, I, I think things will I think things will come good. Whether it's enough for Atalanta to finish in the top four, who knows? But but we'll see. Right, let's move on to the the Coppa Italia draw because we had the the quarterfinals of the the Coppa Italia and it's thrown up uh, the derby again, Milan <sighs> Inter, and it's thrown up Fiorentina Juve. So Boaz, your favorite kind of um, your favorite themes of those two semifinals? I think I know what you're going to say uh, for 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 one of them. First of all, I mean we should mention that. Uh... Before the Milan Lazio Coppa game in the week, the Sari had made like a big point about complaining about the format of the cup and how it favored only the big clubs and how it should be more like the the English format, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Never mind the fact that uh, the last two editions of the Coppa Italia have had the most TV ratings in decades, and never mind the fact that the cup was previously the way he describes it and it didn't work at all. But in any case, after after complaining about this. He then fielded a half-hearted team against Milan and got smashed 4-0, which is kind of mm. uh, laughable. That aside, um, the draws set us up with uh, Vlaovic returning to uh, Florence just a few months after leaving, and that's going to be tasty for sure. And in Milan, of course, we have um, Mr. Hakan. Uh, yeah. I was going to say returning to San Siro, but that doesn't exactly make <laughs> yeah, sense. It doesn't quite just work. Playing against his old uh, teammates yet again. And uh, he's he's been he set up a goal in the last derby. He of course scored a penalty in the first one. So um, he's obviously not backing away from this. And uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, right, we're going to move on to best of the rest now. Uh, so just finishing up with the the weekend's action. Roma left it late to snatch an injury time equalizer in a two two draw away to ten man Sassuolo. Lazio made it three wins in four and 10 points out of the last 12 with a 3-0 win over Bologna. In Monday night's game, there was more drama as Amrabat scored with a last-minute effort from outside the box to give Fiorentina a 2-1 win away to Spezia. And uh, I think the two other notable results this weekend, Verona demolishing Udinese 4-0 and Venezia getting an invaluable three points with a a 2-1 win away to Torino that puts them level on points and goal difference with Cagliari in, uh, in 17th. In other news, the Court of Appeals has rejected Inter's demands to be awarded a 3-0 win uh, against Bologna for that game that was postponed earlier this season. Um, so that match will go ahead at some point, and that's presumably good news for, for Milan and uh, Napoli. And uh, Atomic Ant, Jovinko, has signed for, for Samp, Boaz. It's a very bizarre signing. Uh, it's, it's great to see him back in Serie A, but he just played a few seasons in uh, Saudi Arabia, and before that, he was playing in the MLS. So mm. not, I'm not sure what uh, Sampdoria expect to receive from him, but yeah, it's, it's nice. Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully it works. Also, out. I, I mean, it's it's. I've, I was really sad to see a photo of him because I I still remember Jovinko as a up and coming twenty year old and. He looks like a Makes feel he looks old. like a man he looks like a man his, his age. <laughs> uh right, okay, just the last few last few bits of this section. Uh Lazio have reportedly made a move to sign Romagnoli from Milan, uh with his contract talks uh, at Milan seemingly running out of steam. Uh, Former Roma youth prospect. So uh, yeah. that would be a return to the capital but on a different side. Yeah, doing a, a 
a, a bit more of a detour than Pedro did, but but yes, the, the same move. Salernitana, the reverse Nesta. A reverse Nesta. There you go. Um, Salernitana have sacked Stefano Colantuono and appointed Davide, Davide Nicola as their third manager of the season. They obviously <laughs> see something in Davide Nicola which makes them think that he'll be able to turn it around. So best of luck to him. And following the shock resignation of Paolo Dalpino, Syria has a new president, uh, aka Carlo Bonami, whose candidacy picked up momentum in recent days. Uh, right, I think that's us done with best of the rest. So it's time for good week, bad week. Boaz, I think I'll let you do the honors because I don't think I'm going to complain. I don't think I'm going to argue with you on this one. Good week this week. Three matches played. Seven goals scored, Derby won uh, into the semifinals of the Cup. I think Milan had a good week. And I think considering in the last episode we gave them a bad week, it's it's really time to even that out a little bit. <laughs> there we go. Uh, right, so let's move on to bad week then. Uh, yeah, good week, Milan. And bad week. Uh, there are a few potential candidates for this. Uh, Udinese with that 4-0 defeat uh, and Bologna losing 3-0 to Lazio. But for my money, I think it's got to go to Atalanta. Uh, they had that that defeat to Cagliari, obviously, uh, the weekend before this. Then lost to Fiorentina, uh, a 10-man Fiorentina uh, in in the cup. Uh, and then that game against Juve where, you know, they could and possibly should have, have, uh, have won. Uh, not necessarily on the balance of play, but, you know, on the, uh, on the events. Uh, and the chances. There's obviously no shame in drawing to Juventus, but yeah. the, the result in the cup against 10-man Fiorentina was uh, disappointing and yeah. losing to relegation-threatened Cagliari was also quite a shock result in a week where um, all the other top six contenders won. Yeah, I think we have to give bad week to Atalanta. It kind of breaks my heart a little bit. It's also for their moaning. <laughs> and for their moaning. Okay, that's that seals it. <laughs> right. Okay, so good week, Milan. Bad week, Atalanta. Uh, right, Boaz, it's time for Keeping Up With The Italians. I like this theme song. Um, <laughs> so uh, European Cup winner Jorginho has added yet another medal to his trophy cabinet by winning the Club World Cup with Chelsea. Well done to him. Zeno Ibsen Rossi has joined Dundee in Scotland to fight for Premiership Salvation, having already played for Kilmarnock. And... Uh, in his presentation photo, he looks quite unhappy as well, so good on him. <laughs> My main man, Wilfred Gnotto, scored a header for league leader Zurich and continued his good streak, scoring his fifth goal. And uh, first, Francesco Margiotta won the Australian FFA Cup with his Melbourne victory, setting up the second goal. Uh, Mario Ferri, also known as the Falco, the Eagle, continues his globe-trotting career, signing for United Sports Club in India. And he's quoted as saying he wants to be the first Italian professional to play in every continent. Except for Antarctica, presumably, Boaz. Uh, he'll set up a club there too and play if he has to. Uh, maybe maybe every continent that has a recognized uh, football association. Either way, he's already played in uh, Africa, Europe, Asia and uh, North America, I believe. So he's missing just South America and uh, that's it. So good for and Australia. There you go. Moving on... Uh, Swiftly to our Turkey section, Mario Balotelli bagged a brace for in his club's victory and is now in double figures. 
Fabio Borini showed him that he can score a brace as well in an epic <laughs> 5-4 victory, which has now become infamous because uh, goalkeeper Emiliano Viviano was shaking like an electronic toothbrush in <laughs> electric toothbrush in the freezing temperatures. And, uh, I mean, it, he looked like he was in some severe pain and some memes Poor around guy. Italy were photoshopping him into the Leonardo DiCaprio position in the <laughs> in the in that raft in Titanic. Oh, but yeah, I think, I think that's an honorable. I'm not sure why he wasn't wearing like long trousers. Yeah, or something, he looked but... soaking as well, though. Yeah, it was terrible. Poor guy. Yeah, right. Okay, not worth it. <laughs> so you, I mean, you've kind of semi kicked off the honorable mentions there with the the heroics of uh, Emiliano Viviano. But I'm going to let you now formally kick off the the honorables uh and you've got one i think it's a dishonorable actually uh for dumfries uh anyone who's uh, eaten with an italian will know that uh italians are quite particular about their food and rightfully so italian food is the best food in the world in my opinion having said that uh denzel dumfries almost uh started a diplomatic incident in the inter training ground when he added some chicken to his uh pasta al pesto <laughs> And apparently uh, he was getting a lot of dirty looks and some of the older players in the team told him never to do that again. <laughs> this is like that time there was the, the video of uh, McKenney at the Yuba training ground saying that he put like barbecue sauce on his pizza and stuff. <laughs> uh, right, okay. Uh, so my, I'm, I'm just going to start off with my, my goals honorable and uh, I, I, just a bit of a spoiler here is my only honorable mention because all of the rest of them are, are dishonorables this week. But a few strong entrants for the, the goals honorable this week. Uh, we had Traore for Sassuolo against uh, Juve in the cup. Uh, Milenkovic for Fiorentina against Atalanta also in the cup with that uh, incredible dramatic late winner from from outside the box and the the leao manyan combo for for milan's winner versus samp but uh the winner this week we've given them bad week so to, to even that out uh the winner is going to be for atalanta's malinovsky for that hammer of a left foot against juve just an incredible incredible strike and uh i don't know i don't know what he's got in that in that left boot but uh yeah, rocket power of uh, of some form. Famously, only Messi has scored more goals from outside of the area in the top five leagues in the past few years. Yeah, I saw that stat actually, and I think three of the top five players in that list currently play in uh, in Serie A. So there you go. Uh, right, Buzz, you've got an honourable for Koulibaly. Yeah, this was uh, following Senegal's victory in the in the African Cup of Nations. There was a lovely scene of uh, Koulibaly who gathered around uh, what he was calling, come over here, my Italians. And he, he gathered Koulibaly. He was there, Balotore, Mbaye of Bologna and Keita Balde. And they all kind of sang Campioni, Campioni. So, I mean, it's nice that they gave a little shout out to Serie A and to yeah. their Italian fans in the in amidst that fantastic celebration. Yeah, legend. Legend. And uh, Balotore, it has to be said, he, I, I, I heard this off the Milan Obsession podcast. But essentially, he played 10 minutes in the whole tournament because he was injured and then he caught COVID or the other way around. But in any case, comes right. back home with a winner's medal. Nice. Nice work if you can get it. Definitely. Um, right. So this is my first dishonorable uh, and uh, kind of preempted it earlier, but it's for, for Vlaovic for that outrageous, outrageous dive. Let's let's not go into it again. But Kenny, it's you know what you've done. You know what you've done. 
Uh, Boaz, you've got, is this, uh, this is an honorable, isn't it, for Jeremy Boga? Yeah, this was uh, tweeted by Opta Paolo, but essentially uh, Jeremy Boga is the first outfield player to have not received the yellow card in his first 100 Serie A appearances uh, ever since the three points were introduced. So, I mean, considering he's a outfield player and he's quite energetic, that's that's impressive. Yeah, yeah, love him. Uh, right, time for my second dishonorable. And not, and not my last one, might I add. Uh, and this one goes to Cutrone for, for calling... Uh, Cranio, uh, I, I don't really know how to, to translate this, but uh, Balbuciente di Merda is uh, what he was uh, caught on camera saying, saying towards Cranio, uh, which I guess the, the, the best English translation you can get is like piece of shit stutterer or uh, stuttering shit or something like that. But yeah, just... Uh, very nasty, but I mean, I think this in, is the kind in, of language. This is the kind of tips you don't get on Duolingo. <laughs> exactly, uh, but I mean, I think in fairness, it was more out of frustration, Cranio, uh, just uh, keeping him at bay, uh, and he apparently apologized uh, profusely afterwards, uh, and Cranio accepted it uh, very gracefully. Apparently, accepted the the apology. So, so there you go. It does seem a bit strange to get that upset about the. Opposition keeper doing his job and not <laughs> yeah. letting you score. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe there was more to it than that. Maybe there was a little bit of on-field shenanigans that we're not privy to. But as I, is this a, this is an honourable for Caprari and Barak? Yeah, I mean we've had a big episode and we've obviously been talking about the big teams, but quietly, quietly, Verona are massing goals and results. And considering the the manager change over the summer, we. I wasn't sure what they would be, what they'd managed to pull out the bag for this season, but they've been really exciting. And those two in particular have managed to bag 18 goals and nine assists between them. And uh, up until this season, Verona had never won. They've never won more than three games f- with more than four goals. And this season, they've already done it four times. Wow. There you go. Good stat. Uh, right. This this is my final, final uh, dishonorable. Uh, <laughs> but it's a, it's a good spirit, this one. Uh, I've got two entries into the Morata challenge, which uh, our, our listeners will know is for just absolutely awful mischances. And the first Isn't one was it, to don't we, didn't we change the branding? Isn't no, it, I think uh, it it became the Morata challenge because it was initially oh, yeah, it was the Gagliardini challenge. Yeah, mm. yeah. So it remains the Morata challenge. Uh, the first one goes to Delict against Sassuolo in the the Coppa, and uh, the second one's for Hatibor for Atalanta against Juve in the league. Uh, and the reason I haven't given a description of either is because they both did pretty much the identical thing of uh, managing to hit the woodwork woodwork from uh, about a yard out with the goal absolutely gaping. So yeah, dishonorable. And Boaz, to finish us off, you have got an honorable for the great Pipo Inzaghi. Yeah, and often it was said when people was playing that uh, it looked like he wasn't really in the game and he wasn't really interested and suddenly he'd come in and it feels like his management career is a little bit the same. Um, <laughs> it was reported at the beginning of last week that Cellino had uh, fired him from the Brescia position, despite Brescia being third in the league. And then uh, it was it was soon uh, reported that uh, Inzaghi's lawyers were quickly uh, showed Cellino the contract where it stated that Cellino was not allowed to fire Inzaghi as long as the team were in the top eight positions in Serie B. So um, Inzaghi is pretty much untouchable right now. And uh, he was nice. back in back in the dugout quite awkwardly, I might add, 
for the game this week. <laughs> so it's, it's just one of these scenarios <laughs> where Chilino acted like a dick. I'm sorry, but that, that's that's uh, that's his modus operandi. And and Inzaghi is now like having to sheepishly uh, get back to his job, which he's doing a pretty decent job actually. Yeah, he is. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for that, Boaz. Uh, thank you to all of our listeners. That is all we have time for this week. Uh, as ever, please do subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your audio. Thank you very much for joining us. Until next week, enjoy the football. Roma è campione d'Italia per la stagione 2000-2001. Il titolo del...